everyone, welcome to the 6th episode of Genre Equality. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Aisa. And um, before we begin, thanks so much to the 1,000 plus listeners that we had last month. Yep. I mean, I, we do understand that it's less us and more to do with Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless. But nonetheless, thank you. Um, and for some of the people who've been commenting on our Facebook and stuff about um, why we give spoilers, you know, some people complained, um, we did like, you know, give... Spoiler warnings. Adequate spoiler warnings mm-hmm. is in the descriptions. We yeah. timestamped it. Yeah. So I mean, if you're complaining about that, I'm I'm sorry, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention, that's not, guys. Pay that attention. That is not how we keep our listeners. <laughs> no, I don't care. I'm gonna Dana White this. If you don't like us, you stop listening. We, I gave a spoiler warning. We had like a countdown and everything. And some motherfuckers are still complaining that we gave spoilers on Infinity War, as if like the millions of memes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter didn't already give it away. Exactly. So uh. If you are still with us, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once again, um, we will obviously give non-spoiler reviews, mm-hmm. and then we'll delve into um, kind of kind of spoilery details. But we will give you a warning, so yep. don't worry about yep. that. Yeah. Um, this particular month, we'll be talking about a bunch of big blockbusters yep. like Deadpool two, Solo, Solo, and a lot of other smaller smaller things like you know um, a great Suko, um, the Terror, Fahrenheit four five one on HBO, and uh, some books that I will recommend as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I guess we'll kick off with the highly anticipated sequel to Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Yeah. Uh, once again penned by Zombieland screenwriting duo Reed Reese and Paul Wernick, mm-hmm. alongside Ryan Reynolds, obviously. But this time, it's directed by John Wick's David Leitch. Yeah. Um, Deadpool 2 uh, is, if you recall, Deadpool 1 la, was an kind of unexpected success. Yeah. Due to its subversiveness, raunchiness, <laughs> meta-comedy, and the hard R rating. So yeah. just the fact that it made so much money was fairly surprising. And to me, Deadpool 2 doubles down on everything that made the original such an unusual attraction. Yeah. It's bigger, it's raunchier, it's more meta, it's more gleefully violent. It's more everything. Um, Ryan Reynolds' fourth wall breaking anti hero is still the self aware center of attention, but this time he's bolstered by a bigger ensemble. Mm-hmm. So, my question to you both is yeah. Does bigger make better the sequel? That's the thing, right? That's oh. the thing. Well, from my perspective, I, I mean, when I, I talked to you about it that day, yeah. I was like, yeah, it is bigger. Mm, uh, it's more. There's a lot more. I mean, the action is perhaps. I mean, also be, being helmed by the John Wick guy, right? David Leach, yeah. Right, David Leach. The action is is, right. is far better. Near flawless. Yeah. Like. Um, but saying uh, apart from that, I don't know. There's just it. How you say? Some of the jokes didn't land. Some of the some of the it it felt a bit long. Mm. Um. Pacing was off. Yeah, pacing was a bit off. I felt a bit too long. I right? agree. Yeah. Um, but apart from those things, right? Mm-hmm. I had a tremendous time. It was fun. It was entertaining. Mm. Uh, I love the the characters like Domino, um, the the, the X Force guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who were hilariously right? undercut. Uh, we won't spoil how. Yeah. But, um, it was pretty funny. We'll spoil it later. Yeah. But yeah, that's all the thing, lah. So uh, apart from that, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. What about you, Isa? 
Uh, I had a lot of fun. You're right. It's mm. so much more in many ways, but more does not necessarily equal Good. better. I think. Um, yeah, Infinity War is more is more. Um, yes. This one, yeah. I think, like the benefit of the first one was in its brevity. So the stuff that worked yeah. just worked in an appropriate amount of time. Yeah. yeah um, for sure. The, you, I, I'm guessing you have the si- similar sentiment. Yeah, it felt a little too long. It was very convoluted because I think they wanted to squeeze in as many jokes as they could, yeah. which was fine. Uh, it's just that Reynolds. Propensity to go for the most obvious jokes, low yeah. hanging, uh, low hanging fruit. Uh. Yeah, right. I mean, it, like a couple of them did land and did land very well. The comic timing, I have to say, at certain moments were, were on, on point. On point. Yeah, right. But so many of them don't. They're mm-hmm. just like throwing as many as they can. It's like casting your net. Like whatever wild. sticks, are, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, as much as I had fun during yeah. the and I did have a good couple of laughs. Very impressed yeah. with the action. Very impressed. The Easter eggs. With the Easter eggs, yeah. very impressed with the cinematography yeah. as well, right? Uh, but I mean, it's the John Wick guy, so I'm I'm not at all surprised by those mm-hmm. things. Uh, but it was for me a forgettable movie. Um, it was, yeah. It it just felt to me like a bit like Age of Ultron. I had fun in it, um, yeah. but I immediately forgot about what the details were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some of the jokes, you're right, they do land, but the the ratio of jokes that land to those that don't was right. um. A bit underwhelming for me. I yeah. agree. I, I feel like there should have been more effort made into quality jokes rather than quantity jokes. Yeah. Exactly. And the first rule of comedy, as it's been taught to me by like I know watching podcasts with comedians, <laughs> is never go for the obvious joke. Yeah. Yeah. And they went for jokes that the audience members already knew what they were going to say before they were going to say it. Yeah. Um, that to me was a big problem. Okay. Um, there was also the lack of stakes mm. uh, in it because something like this tries to have his cake and eat it eats it too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether that makes sense because it tries to be subversive but at the same time still follows the tropes that it's making fun of. Okay. Um, I, I don't know whether the novelty factor has worn off for me but I didn't enjoy this as much as they pull one. Um, I know I'm, I'm stating a lot of complaints but this is a movie I actually really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the best parts of the movie to you? <laughs> spoiler, right now? Yeah, we're, we're into the spoiler territory. Yeah, okay, then yeah. X-Force dying, come on. Yeah, no, that was, that was really fun. Um, Brad Pitt being revealed as the Punisher. Yeah, that used to, uh, Did you realize that the two redneck guys were um, Alan Tudyk yeah, and, and Matt Neiman? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I only found out after. Mm. And when my second rewatch, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Matt, the makeup's so good. Matt Neiman was in uh, Thor Ragnarok too, as well. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. Loki. Uh, he was Loki. So he has had a, a few like really fun cameos here and there. He's like Josh Brolin, both in. He was in, in Star Fox Wars and... as well, right? <laughs> yeah. He was in uh, Star Wars. Uh, he was uh, one of the oh, Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's so been was, in every uh, major franchise. So was uh, what's his face? Uh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, yeah. Yes. He was a Stormtrooper, the one with Ray. A lot, uh, there, are, there are a lot of fun cameos with Stormtroopers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what about you? What was your What was your standout? What was my standout moment? I, I did enjoy a couple of the meta jokes, right? Mm. Uh, obviously, the one about not being able to draw feet properly. Uh, Rob Liefeld, yeah, yeah kind of uh, throwing shade at the uh, creator. For yeah. me, the standout portion of the film was Domino. Yeah, Ooh, Jazzy yeah, Beats. Jazzy, Jazzy Beats oh, as man. Domino is, is pretty phenomenal. I'm sorry, but I have such a huge crush on Jazzy Beats. Mm. No, no need to apologize, yeah, she's amazing. Uh. Mm. Uh, and I, I just thought the character was very well fleshed out. Mm. I thought that her powers were very uh, visualized very well. Cinematically interesting, uh, contrary to what they pulls says. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly right? Well. Yeah. Uh, which, which I thought that was, was a great. good joke. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Like, Domino, Zazie Beats was, was stand out for me. For, for sure. sure. What's the boy, the little boy's name? Uh, the, 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 the New Zealander? Uh, Fire Fist. Fire, Fire Fist. Fist. I call, I'll call him the Kiwi Anthony Soprano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, but my, my particular highlights, some of the jokes like, that really did land for me was uh, the baby lakes with Ryan. Oh, Ryan wow, Reynolds. that was such an awesome 
scene. Um, yeah, the imagery just stuck in my head Same. like for a long time. It is haunting, as they say. It, <laughs> it reminds me of Rick or Morty. Yeah, yeah. Remember for, the de- detective baby legs? Yes. For all of the extreme violence that we see, you know, limbs being hacked off, mm, all yeah. the blood and gore. Ryan Reynolds with like baby dick when he did the, the, the basic instinct yeah. oh uh, cameo thing yeah, and then yeah. when he was walking waddling up to oh. cable that was like the most disturbing moment for me yeah same uh, I'll echo your sentiment about X-Force being uh, knocked off just as they have their big uh, hero introduction moment yeah, yeah, yeah. with the with the action montage and the ACDC playing yeah, and everything yeah. that was more, you know that, that, that was awesome cool uh. and of course the biggest highlight that everybody talks about is the post-credit sequence. Oh yeah, where uh, they went there, they went for uh, Wolverine they went Origins. Out. They went all out. Uh, X Men Origins, obviously the movie that everyone hates the most of the X Men mm-hmm. franchise. Yep. they've had some really bad movies, but I think X Men Origins Wolverine is the worst. Is by far right. By far the worst. And they they retconned it uh, pretty spectacularly. <laughs> Uh, there is Ryan Reynolds showing up to shoot. Uh, no, they, no, Deadpool showing up to shoot Ryan Reynolds as he's reading the Green Lantern script. Oh, Green Lantern, that's the other one. Yeah. 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 So um, and he saved his wife. And he saved his wife. Mm. So, uh, but that that again once again plays to no stakes uh, for the sake of a joke, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you feel that this movie kind of skews more towards the Family Guy? Uh, style of comedy yes. where they're throwing references but yes. references to me are not jokes jokes are crafted Correct. they have a punchline yeah. there's a one two step yeah. uh, references is just hey do you remember this do you yes. remember that yes I agree with that totally yeah. that's what a lot of I mean I'm the, the X-Men thing Yeah. right when the X-Men showed up for one second Yeah. that's another I mean, it was fun it was great yeah but I mean right? there was no yeah um, references are not jokes and you're right yeah. it's, it's family guy syndrome So it's a family guy thing yeah. mm-hmm. Um, the theme of family, I, I think, was, was nice. Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah, Pat yeah. Benatar's We Belong Together and yeah. everything. Thing, and <laughs> um, that, that, that's very cool. Uh. Oh, I was a bit disappointed that uh, Teenage Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Warhead. Yeah. Okay, I got it half right. Um, yeah, she, she was, she uh, I think, like vastly underutilized. Like, maybe mm. two scenes. Two scenes? Uh, yeah, she was one of the highlights of the first movie, I think. In, like in the first movie, she was the domino of this movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we people wanted more of her, but she was basically cast aside, obviously because of her big ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with her girlfriend, Yukio. Yeah, they, they uh, like Who was very, fun. very cute, but kind of a throwaway character yeah. as well. Uh, what I will have to point out is, unlike stuff in WB and unlike stuff in Marvel, mm-hmm. um, they actually went there and portrayed a lesbian relationship on the big screen, which hasn't mm. actually oh, been yeah. done in a superhero movie before. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Um, let's say, okay, for example, Star Wars, we will talk about Solo later. Donald Glover claims, or Disney claims, that Lando is a pansexual. Yeah. Uh, they claim that Valkyrie is uh, bisexual or a lesbian. Makes sense. Uh, they, cl- they claim Wonder Woman is a lesbian. But okay. but they can't claim representation when they don't, don't show, show it screen. on screen. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the J.K. Rowling problem also. You can't just say Dumbledore is gay without actually representing him and yeah. try to claim representation. And most recently, Glad has called them out on this mm. for for trying to have their cake needed too. And that's mm. not cool. Yeah, yeah. And Deadpool actually went there and it's so easy to do. Mm. All you have to do is watch Le- Legends of Tomorrow yeah. or Supergirl yeah. just to see how easy how it is to craft an organic... Yeah. It's just like any other relationship. Yeah. It's not just because the lesbian doesn't make them like oh so difficult to write. Exactly. <laughs> you know, love is love, right? Not to get all SJW here, so I'm, I'm probably no, no, gonna no. move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. But I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't just represent without representing. Yes, uh, and that's been a big issue for WB and Marvel, yeah. and I'm glad that Fox has gone there. Yeah, yeah not bad. Good job, Fox. Good job, Fox. Uh, next, we'll move on to Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, um, obviously, a prequel, the newest movie from the Star Wars franchise, mm-hmm. focusing on the origin of young Han Solo, mm-hmm. starring Alden Ehrenreich, Donald Glover, Emilia Clarke, Woody Harrelson, Danny Newton, and much more. Mm-hmm. Um, the big story f- 
following the solo production has been its troubles. <coughs> um, most famously, Lord and Miller was fired. Yeah. Um, well, in, well, almost into Phil production. Lord and Miller, right? Chris Miller, Chris the, Miller. Le- the Lego Movie, Helmers, uh, Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty Two mm. Jump Street, stuff like that. Um, arguments between Kathleen Kennedy kind of sparked that. Um, yeah. There was an acting coach hired hired for Alden Ehrenreich because yeah. apparently he couldn't capture couldn't really, the spirit yeah. of. Uh, Hansel uh, or um, Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Um, and then Ron Howard brought in to f- direct or essentially fix the movie at the eleventh hour. You're supposed to do the post production, right? Basically, just recutting, editing, and yeah. all. And he ended up reshooting seventy percent of the movie. Yep. Um, given all the troubles, do you think that Solo succeeded? Come on, we had so many conversations. I said, "Oh my God, Solo's going to suck so much, right?" Yeah, of course. Right. So uh, I had fun. Exactly. Yeah. I had um, fun. And it was a pleasant surprise, right? Mm. I expected it to be so much worse. <laughs> Me too. It was supposed to bomb, like all, by all all accounts on I mean, paper, it would have bombed. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, we will talk about the the toxic Star Wars guys later. Yeah, but wow, that movie actually was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as fun as Deadpool. Not no. as right? fun as Deadpool. Yeah. Not nearly as fun. But that was unexpected. Uh, not a great movie. Mm. It's a good movie. It's a fun yeah. summer it's, movie. It's a, it's an above average, barely good movie. Yeah. Um, and I thought. For what it was, it's a miracle that it's not got them disaster. Like, and yeah. Ron Howard should be applauded for salvaging this. Oh, come on, it was coherent throughout. The yeah. pacing was fine. Because this was kind of... Uh, the cut is like a Frankenstein movie monster. Like, kind of <laughs> pieced together from footage of two very different filmmakers who are yeah. making two very different movies. Yeah. And you, like you said, it's surprisingly more coherent than, say, Justice League was, which exactly. faces the similar problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also it, that Justice League had similar weight of fan expectation yeah. uh, made under similar circumstances and I thought Solo was far more successful than Justice League was oh definitely it, it is admittedly a low bar uh, yeah it's a very low bar sure. uh, so do you think that our semi-praise for this has more to do with lowered expectations yeah. than what it is definitely is lowered expectations I mean like if but did you trouble enjoy? aside production trouble yeah. aside yeah. right? if none of that actually happened and Ron Howard had been at the helm from the get go Right. Yeah. It could have been a vastly better movie. But oh, yeah. given what time. we were presented with, without prior knowledge of all the troubles that they had, how would you have felt? Yeah, I mean, if, if that was the case, I would say that I still had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I, I just I, thought I it was a fun yeah. or average movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as much as I want to go into like the, the critical analysis of the movie, into mm-hmm. like the cinematography, I'm like, did I have fun? I had fun. I had yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, I did. And yeah. as far as a Star Wars story goes, it was not it bad. Was a good story. Yeah, just sure. below Rogue One. Okay, actually. A lot below. A lot below. A lot below. Uh, <laughs> a controversial statement, but any Star Wars comment is a controversial statement. Oh, you can't see anything yeah. about winning. But Rogue One is my favorite of the new Star Wars. Oh, me too. Yes, for sure. Uh, mostly because it told a story that I didn't know and I didn't already have context to. Whereas with Han Solo, you kind of already have references to the castle run and everything. Yep. And to me, showing it happen was fun, but it kind of ruins the mystique of what it was. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it was fan service lah. It, it was uh, fan service strong. Yeah. It's mostly enjoyable, superficial fun. Mm. Uh, my, my biggest highlight is, uh, is Donald Glover being a supremely charismatic mm. Lando. Yeah. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, despite the acting coach and everything, feels like a natural and solid Han. Right? He uh, felt like a young Han. Oh, I He's don't not know perfect, about that. Right? But, I don't know But about I feel that. that he has just enough swag to pull off young Han Solo. Mm, it, to me, it was a pleasant surprise, but um, I saw it as a yeah, guy. Okay, okay. So, like, he has huge shoes to fill. Of course. Right? Some fucking Fortnite. Uh, no one is going to compare his Han to, uh, you know, the, the Han that died, for example. Mm. Right? We're not talking about old school Harrison Ford. We're talking about young Harrison Ford in yeah. his prime. Yeah. Right? And at the height of his powers, you know. So, even though I would like to give him 
like story wise give him time to grow into the heart that we know and yeah, love yeah. it didn't fa- quite feel that way okay I, okay I thought acting wise I mean overall with the exception of Lando mm. uh, or Donald Glover as Lando right acting was meh I, I kind of questioned the casting of stuff like uh, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. Um, why give Danny Newton such a small role yeah, exactly. uh, she was such a highlight right yeah uh, nobody talks about Woody Harrelson actually I thought he did a, no, he, I, was I, a he, good he, he did an excellent job he's yeah. great at playing mental crazy, crazy, crazy mental. Yeah. kind of like you know, outlaw kind of thing, and he did great. Yeah, I think as fine. far as possible, mm. but like I think it's in comparison to these uh, counterpoints that that uh, Han would have in the movie, right? Mm. That he felt very weak, mm. not in a okay. I'm still trying to find out who I am kind of weak, but just like he didn't show up for some scenes, you know. I am okay. interested to see how they perform differently for Chris Lloyd and Phil Miller, yeah, because they went for a more improvisational movie, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and people. I, I, I just don't know. It'll probably be a very different take, lah. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. So if there is a cut out there, I want to see whether it really is as bad as they say it is, or maybe it was better. And Captain Kennedy just didn't want to go for a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of vibe. Yeah, um, but that's also a legit point, lah. I mean, yeah. everybody's giving shit to Kathleen Kennedy, mm-hmm. but. I mean, this is the biggest franchise of all time. Sure. Look, if Feige had made a similar decision, no one would be questioning him, though. Uh, he's kind of earned it. La. Yeah. Uh, and Captain Kennedy kind of feels... A lot of people feel betrayed by her, rightly or wrongly, because of The Last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, this I, movie is especially safe. There's nothing special or inspired about no, this. No. And the reaction to this is the same reaction as to a very risky movie like The Last Jedi. So what do you yeah. want? Do you want something super risky or do you want something safe? You can't win either way. La. And that's just Star Wars fandom for you. Yeah. But again, right, I really honestly think that it's a very small majority of Star Wars fans. Who are like very vocal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are all Star Wars fans, hmm. right? We know the, I know the lore inside and out, hmm. and I and I was fine. The Last Jedi, I loved the Last Jedi. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought. Right? I, I mean, I I enjoyed this solo movie. I didn't want to boycott this movie. It's yeah. it's it's silly to boycott, especially considering like the three of us actually really enjoyed the Last Jedi. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, and also, at the same time, I'm not so invested in Star Wars that I want to say words like boycott. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this isn't like a political issue. <laughs> this isn't like racism or anything like that. <laughs> But you know, it's scary that the guys are vocal are really... The, these Star Wars guys are a little bit alright. They are very alright because they are against the female representation, black representation. They are against um, subverting kind of the power hierarchical, hierarchical structure that Star Wars had already established. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if you try anything subversive, they are going to rebel against that. Lah. Oh, they're going to rebel, is it? Ooh, those, those are the real Star Wars rebels. There you go. Alright. Um, but I mean, admittedly, I enjoy this as well. But so, I have a couple of downsides. The, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the acting, which was to me meh also. Yeah. Um, the heist is pretty by the numbers. Yes. It was uh, a very typical heist movie. The archetypes are copy and paste from yeah, every yeah. gangster yeah. movie I've ever seen. Um, this might sound like an insult, but it's not if you consider the context. This feels like a mid-level episode of Firefly. And Firefly is a great show. Yeah. But this is a, a average episode of Firefly, which to me is good. <laughs> Like episode 13. There are no bad episodes of Firefly. <laughs> there are no bad... Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. Okay, small other complaints. Paul Bethany is a bit underused as the film's villain. Yeah. He's yes. pretty throwaway despite a decent performance. The same can be said for, uh, as I said again, uh, Danny Newton. Um. Amelia Clark. I don't know whether it's just her one-note acting or she just wasn't given anything compelling to do. I, do, I think she was given nothing compelling to do. Uh, but yeah, she was, so. she was pretty boring. Yeah, she I was. I mean, the, the, the big twist is that she wanted to be the fucking over... Uh, the, the, the overlord lah mm-hmm. right um, she, she's being clearly set up as the antagonist for the second for movie the if, if this is successful and it doesn't look to be majorly successful 
Yeah. It earned maybe 101 million at the opening weekend for the American box yeah. office, which is really? disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, still a success. Because they for a return of profit. Yeah. Uh, so what do you I'm, want? You know. I'm fine. Uh, my biggest highlight to me was uh, this is a very divisive thing because a lot of people don't like her and some people do like her. Um, I really like the new Droid L3. Oh, uh, I love L3. Which is kind of a play on the politically correct but annoying social justice Le- warrior. Do yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, this is an SGW for droids in a galaxy mm. far, far away. I love it. Her side story of the accidental robot uprising and the love story of Lando I thought was really unexpected and yeah. quite hilarious. Uh, I do wish that they kept a backstory because I read like some of the character descriptions of her yeah. from the toys and stuff. Apparently, she is the droid that built herself. Built herself, yes. Um, so a literal self-made woman sounded like an interesting origin story exactly. which they didn't keep. That, that's something that I thought was such a wasted opportunity. It was, it was for sure. I um, mean, it might have been left on the, the cutting room floor. Oh yeah, it might be. You know, I mean, but I, okay, the droids have been killing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah this is Star Wars story mm. was great. I mean, uh, what Rogue One was great. Rogue mm. One was What's great. His name? Uh, uh, Alan Tudyk once again. Yeah, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, Tudyk once again. He was great. She's great. Um, BB-8. BB-8 yeah. was not bad. He's cute, cute. little yeah. bitch. Yeah. yeah. And then I mean, you, you just your normal C three PO and R two D two. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like the tribes have been killing it. So I like I really like the L three character. I thought it brought a lot of color into something that was quite bland, to be yeah. honest. The, so, o- the, the only part that affected me was the death scene. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But then she didn't really die. She got integrated to the ship. Yes, she's, like then taken. she's a bit like uh, Gideon uh, from Legends of Tomorrow. You know? yeah. she's, she's now the ship. Yeah, she's, she's now, now the Millennium Falcon. Or like, uh, or like Farscape, you know, because the ship is the living, breathing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't mind that. What do you think about? Okay, so Phil Lord and Chris Miller, why they got fired was because they were, they got rid of the script entirely and tried to improv. Mm. Uh, and apparently, this Ron Howard version sticks very strictly and rigidly to the script. Mm. So, after what you've seen, dialogue-wise, writing-wise. Mm. Do you think that Lord and Miller was justified to get rid of the script and yes. try to punch it up? Yes. Because I felt like the writing was uninspired. Dialogue-wise. I mean, honestly, yes. Okay, the writing was uninspired. How? I think... Yeah. Okay. Given the cast, yeah. right, and the entire idea, if Lord and Miller had a young Harrison Ford, then they, be different. they, would have, they could have gone yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of see where that idea... Mm-hmm led to mm-hmm. right and then that idea because like so many of Han's most famous lines uh, ad-lib. are at lip yeah. right so I kind of I, I get it I get it uh, now, and on the back of the fact that um, Ragnarok was yeah. also largely improved and all of that I can see why they wanted to do something like that you know how like 21, 22 Jump Street Lego Same. movie stuff like that it was basically written on the spot la. yeah, yeah. You know, which, is, which is great and which is what they're known for so yeah. my question is if you knew what they're gonna do yeah mm-hmm. I mean, like why? I feel like if I was the director, I would have made a similar choice, because like some some of their jokes, the Lawrence Kasdan and the Captain Kennedy script, yeah. the jokes were, man, like like you, you remember when uh, Han Solo tried to board the the ship and then it's like, oh, uh, you're traveling alone, so I guess you're Han Solo. When he got his name, I kind of like that part. I don't know. I thought I thought it was oh, it was really. I thought mm, it, it could have been. It could have been. I like that it was a very throwaway thing. Like oh, it's some imperial officer that gave him his stupid name. Okay. Oh. No? Yeah. I like that they didn't make it a big deal. Okay. Like, just okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But I get it though. I get why. I, I mean, those moments shouldn't be so throwaway, uh, I guess so. Yeah. Like Chewbacca meeting Han for the first I, time. I, I thought it was great. Right. That was, was great. That was fun. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Uh, him being able to speak um, Wookie. Wookie was a surprise. Strange. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fun. Just all that Aaron Wright going <laughs> was fucking was hilarious, great. man. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, well, let, let's let's read the last two movies that we've been talking about. Uh, how would you rate Deadpool 2 upon 10? Deadpool 2 out of 10, I'll give it a 6.5. Yeah, what about you guys? 
Uh, I'll give it a seven. Uh, I'll, uh, similarly, I'll give it a seven as well. Um, objectively, I thought Deadpool one was a seven that was elevated to a nine because of novelty. Yep. Now that novelty has one off, it's just a seven. It's just seven. Yeah. Uh, and how about Soul? I surprisingly give six and a half too. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Pa- passing marks. Passing marks. Possible. Because I had fun. Yeah. That's well, the thing. If I had fun, it's fine. I'll okay. give it a six and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Solo for me is a six upon ten. Okay. Uh, so everyone gave it a pass. Clearly not the best thing ever. Oh, no, no, and no. if someone wants to trash it as being, oh, this is terrible, I don't like it, I don't have the energy in me to complain yeah, because, yeah. Go or ahead. even fight because. Yeah, sure. I'm just not invested in this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move on already. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Same thing with Last Jedi, we enjoyed it a lot, right? But at the same Very time, well like, done. we. It's not like the greatest thing ever where I want to defend it to the high heavens and if people hate it, it's like, okay, yeah. sure, hate sure, up. bro. You're entitled to your opinion. That's right, that's yeah. right. Let's move on from the world of movies to the world of TV. Yay! Uh, now we'll, we'll be talking about the second half of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ooh, season 5. That's fun. Right. Yeah. When it comes to genre shows, yeah. the shows that end up being my personal favourites uh, or the most rewarding are growers, not showers. Yeah. Uh, stuff like Buffy, Fastscape, Star Trek TNG, Takes a while. and most recently, Sense8, um, rougher seasons mm-hmm. grew into itself and found a special place in my heart because it feels like you're growing along with the yeah. show. Um, similarly, if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a rougher season but has since grown into one of the most dynamic sci-fi action adventures All on TV, best. With an ensemble that I adore. Now in its fifth season, it feels like it's in full throttle. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of general equality episodes ago, we discussed the first half of season five, leading mm-hmm. up to the landmark 100th episode. And this time we'll be discussing the climax to the fifth season, which to me was goddamn awesome. It was. But let's begin with Hadi, because Hadi didn't participate in the 100th episode discussion. Yeah. Uh, he since caught up, so what do you think of season five? It was mind-blowing. Uh. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy. How did that happen? Like, it, who would have thought five years ago it told me that Agents of Shield is going to be one of the best, one of the best, mm. uh, what superhero TV series out there? Action, adventure, sci-fi, fantasy, right? everything. Yeah, everything. Wow. I mean, I I can't believe how much these characters have grown on me. Yeah. Like Chloe Bennett and uh, um, in um, Quake, right? Quake. Yeah. Wow, she's so good. All, all the character like, development that they made of. For her this season, Ming Na, who does she play? Um, me, Agent Me, Agent Me, yeah. yeah. Everybody is just so, it's just perfect. Like those five seasons, six seasons, mm. five seasons. I mean, um, oh. bland characters like Fitz and Simmons um, uh, in season one. Don't you I, I, love I now, them now? I now, yeah, my favorite characters on almost any show. Same. Hands down. Yeah, yeah. hands down. They're yeah, so their their cool. love story, <laughs> literal star-crossed lovers. Because exactly. some, sometimes they're separated by stars. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Like it's got me really invested. Uh, this this season in particular was very twist heavy. Yeah. It felt like they had like an average of three or four big twists per episode. Per episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could possibly get tiresome if the twists weren't so amazing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Every time I just go, I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> My mouth is open and I'm just staring at the computer and mm. like, I have to pause. Yeah. <laughs> Did uh, I just watch that? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the thing is like, for a time loop story, yeah. you would think it would be predictable. Yeah. But it wasn't because this was a very unpredictable season because they were trying to break a time loop. Yeah. So the characters that survive in the future you can't expect them to survive in the future because they're trying to break the loop. Yeah. If they are successful, they will die. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, <sighs> so so that makes a lot of stakes. Like, oh, I want them to prevent this apocalypse, but yeah. at the same time, oh no, I don't want my characters to die. To die. Can yeah. you find a way around it? Yeah. Uh, and it's really cool. Uh. My, my favourite, I've said this the last couple of episodes ago, Fitz Simmons' arc is my favourite arc this season. Him trying to balance Hydra Fitz, this aspect of his personality in the framework. This is whole redeem, redemption story. Yeah, yeah, with his more caring and loving side. Yeah, yeah. Um, his darker side is obviously necessary sometimes you know, to, yeah. to fight villains, to get out of tough situations. To kill people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because he really is uh, like 
Saul Goodman, you know, like, no, mm. uh, no, not Saul Goodman, sorry, so, Mike from Better Call Saul. Yeah, yes. Like, no half measures, you know. But at the same time, it also, the dark side jeopardizes his relationship with Gemma and his other teammates, like yeah. Mac, who's Mac. very black and white, very Captain America-esque. Um, yeah, and to me, she was also pound for pound, the undisputed champion of creating awesome villains. Oh, Like, yeah. how many compelling villains have there been in recent years? From, from Ward the- to Hive to Lash, Daisy's parents, wow. all the various heads of Hydra. You got um, Ada slash Ophelia, yeah. you know, our Madam Hydra. Yeah, um, and this year alone, they had the Kree of Lords, Cassius and Sinara awesome. in the future. Right. In the present, you had General Hill and Ruby. Oh. And then in the end, you had, you had General Talbot turning to Graviton, <laughs> which was fucking insane. Like, what, what the hell? So all these villains in one season. Right. Yeah. It oh. really does feel like... That was what, five villains in one season? It, it really does feel like because they're on the verge of cancellation at any moment. It's like they're pushing everything out. There, yeah. is, there is no, like, lull period. It's like, we have to go 100. But did you see oh, the finale, man? Finale was crazy. The finale felt like a series finale. Because they didn't know they, they didn't were going to be Yeah. yeah. Because, wow, what a good closing to everything. Um, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You have uh, Coulson and me uh, going to Tahiti. Yeah. But Coulson is still dying, but he's going to die off camera. Yeah. Uh, you have... Perfect. You have Fitz dying. And then you realise that there's an earlier version of Fitz still frozen in space. <laughs> yeah. So they can still get him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that was the twist that I didn't expect because when Fitz died it was so emotional it was and then at the end they were like hey there's another Fitz right <laughs> let's go get him <laughs> because we broke the time loop so he's never gonna wake up so uh, we can get him now hey <laughs> uh, it how, all worked out it all, it all worked out in yeah. a, uh, the fight between Graviton and Daisy yeah, felt movie-esque yes yeah. I was surprised at, because first of all I'm not I mean, I know it's a TV show. Yeah. So certain costumes, like Graviton's costume, a bit weird. I know, I know. You know what I mean? It's a... Like, it felt very 80s-esque. Silver Age. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. But that scene, though. Yeah. The one where he tosses her into the sky, and then he follows her up. And yeah. And the entire building's all collapsing around. Yeah. I was like, what? That was great. Tossed up into the sky, and then you thought what was he going to do in the sky. He chose a man <laughs> down. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is Superman X level. Uh, and, and all the twists with uh, Daisy hiding the centipede serum in her. Mm. Oh, actually, it was, no, Coulson, it was Coulson who, who hid it. Um, that one I didn't see. A lot of things I didn't see coming. La. I was just surprised that it was still in there after all that tussles and bustles that was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was still inside. Um, Sky really looked at that moment fit for the Avengers. Just her power level and mm. how she fought Graviton. Yeah. Um, and I thought Graviton had kind of a solid plan to beat Thanos. Oh, yeah. Because uh, his power seems very OP, very Omega level. Yeah. And Thanos without the stones, I think he could have beaten him. Yeah, definitely. But he's crazy, la, so he's another villain that yeah, you have yeah. to stop. Uh, what do you think about how she tied into Infinity War? Brilliant. Was a it lot better than Captain America when they tied into the Captain America, was it? Uh, Civil season? War? Yeah. Winter Soldier. I thought Winter Soldier was great. Oh, sorry, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was the fall of Hydra. That's how they turned no, Ward no, no, no. from a bad hero to a good villain. Before that, before that. Uh, was it Avengers? It was Avengers, right? Um, maybe. But season, season one was they tied in with Avengers. No, season one started uh, when Winter Soldier started. Oh, I didn't like that one. Yeah, no, uh, Winter Soldier was in the 17th episode and that's when it turned. Uh, but season one was, I think, post Age of Ultron, if I'm not mistaken. It felt very running in the tracks. Yeah, because uh, they knew what Marvel was planning yeah. for Winter Soldier. So they had to wait until that happened before they could... Exactly. Yeah, right? uh, so that was the only thing that I didn't and, and that's what I loved about season this season because it felt like Infinity War didn't hijack S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. got to tell their own compelling uh, story like kind of internally yeah. and, and made it feel like full of stakes while still addressing Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, why did General uh, Talbot want to become Graviton? Oh, it was because of Thanos. Why are the Kree and the Confederacy here? Because they want to plunder the planet after Thanos has already like decimated mm. it and stuff like that. Yeah. 
um, I thought the ending where they ended before the Thanos snap was mm-hmm. brilliant yeah. because they got to have their nice ending and they didn't have to address the Infinity War exactly uh, they have uh, they have said that the last six episodes of this season of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. took place within one day oh so it, it, begin, oh, yeah, okay. it begins with when Daisy hears about uh, Thanos' invasion of New York first which oh, is the, the 24 episode yeah, oh, okay. uh, which was the f- one of the first scenes in Infinity War, right? Oh, yeah. And by the time they ended, they hadn't the Avengers hadn't reached Wakanda yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was perfect, you, okay. We we got to have this beautiful character moments that weren't hijacked by something else. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I mean, I I, I love Infinity War. I don't don't get me wrong, No, no but Agents of Agents of Shield deserve its own, you know. Yeah. Its own stakes, its own story, lah. It managed to address continuity while still having its own story. Yeah, and and that that to me was without amazing. compromising anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, One simil- of the best seasons, though. Similarly, I was happy with Shield getting a sixth season, but the way it ended and how perfectly it ended, I, I would have been have... very cool with it yeah, ending here. Same, I would have been okay, fine. It was a good run. Yeah, appropriately emotional, yeah. and I'm afraid. I mean, I love. I, I, I'm gonna watch season six for sure. Yeah, me too. But it feels like they will have to backtrack on a lot of the decisions made in the season finale. Oh, I mean, because it's only what it's half a season only, right? Next season, thirteen episodes. Thirteen episodes only. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just go forward, lah. Just so uh, you, speculation. You think uh, Coulson will not be alive? No, I think he's dead. I I think Agents of Shield is very good. I, at I think they might do flashback episodes of Coulson. Yeah, but yeah. Coulson tying in with Captain yeah. Marvel. But there was a young Coulson yeah, exactly. in Shield. Yeah. He was like an intern. Yeah. So I, I feel there will be more flashback episodes rather than Coulson presently. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, yeah. I, I, I am looking forward to it to see... Uh, I guess Mac now is now the leader the of director the team. La. The, yeah. the quote-unquote director. Yeah. Oh my god, that scene where they elected Mac to be their, yeah. their leader. Yeah. You know, when uh, Daisy gave up her mental and yeah. like Mac's our moral compass. Yeah. He makes a lot of aggravatingly illogical decisions. He does. Because of his moral compass. Exactly. But at, at the same time, it's like... We are heroes, like we have we have to do the right thing. Like. I know, but Shield has never been such a hero agency. It will be under Mac, though. But under Mac, it's yeah. going to be because Nick Fury and Phil Coulson has done questionable things exactly. for the greater good. Exactly, Mac will never do that. Exactly. Like. So this is a uh, yeah. I'm, if if they ever do crossover, which they won't, I mean, I would love to see Mac meet uh, Nick Fury. No, no. Mac, well, okay, being two different black leaders, so she would mm-hmm. be interesting. But Mac meet Captain America. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. It feels like they're mirror, they're mirror image, and they talk about morals and just jerk each other off. You know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Might not be a compelling episode. <laughs> Might not be compelling. <laughs> It'll feel like super girl bit exactly. Let's do the right thing. Uh, let's move on to a little Netflix movie called Ooh, Cargo. Cargo. Uh, based on Yolanda Ramke and Ben Howling's award-winning short film, mm-hmm. Cargo is the rare post-apocalyptic zombie movie that is heartbreaking but also hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, set in the Australian outback, the story of a father desperately trying to get his infant daughter to safety before he himself turns into a zombie. They have 48 hours in this mythology. Yeah. It's a stirringly humanist journey, Ooh. kind of anchored by a character-based approach and Martin Freeman's uh, amazing performance. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the film's greatest triumph is its biting commentary on themes like environmentalism and coloni- colonialism, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to the Aboriginal arc, which wasn't in the short film. Yep. Uh, what do you guys think of this Netflix movie? Ooh. Man. First of all, can I just say that the yeah. acting was phenomenal. Martin Freeman, man. Martin Freeman was a phenomenal actor. Oh, most real. Yeah, yeah oh. most real. And uh, that, that, that uh, Aboriginal girl. Yeah, amazing. Rosie, right? Um, you know, Rosie's the infant daughter. Yeah, the, the, the other infant. Aboriginal girl. They, yeah. According to the credits, it said introducing. Yeah. So I think this is her first, her role. first role. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
Woo. Had a bit of that revelation where like, oh, I like, you know, when you're watching Logan, oh, this is X-23's first role. What the mm. fuck, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like, how yeah. good is she? It was, the yeah. same, it was the same thing. But I enjoyed the... I mean, apart from the whole father, infant, daughter, getting her to safety thing, mm. that story is compelling, right? Yeah. I really enjoyed the whole colonization, the Aboriginal, like, side story. Ka- kind of uh, going back to its rules, right? like getting rid of the white people. I really like that. Uh, how tradition will save them yeah. in, in the face of uh, capitalist, uh, environmental yeah. degradation. Yeah. So I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, I think I still watch this too as well, right? Yes, I yeah. did. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like other than Martin Freeman's excellent, excellent performance, uh, some of the standout things for me, I, I love the premise. I love the fact that it's not set in America. Uh, yeah. Uh, because you know. the short film was made by Australian filmmakers mm. and they wanted to represent the I didn't actually uh, watch the short film. Yeah. So this was mm, kind I of, did, yeah, yeah I this was fresh to me. Mm. And I really, really do like the the entire idea of going back to the land and purifying it. Mm. You know, this all going back to the old ways and how that still clashes with, with the survivors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think what stood out for me the most is uh, is, is this very, very visceral um, need for survival, right? That comes across uh, in the face of your own impending... Uh, well, death, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or undeath. Yeah, undeath. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I thought like that was captured really, really well, just in the way that the things were shot, mm. in his moments of desperation, yeah, in all these like close-ups that you see, like all these minute like kind of facial changes mm. that he's going through, and even before that with the mother as well, mm. right? You kind of see that thematically yeah. repeated, mm. you know, and how even then he finds it within himself uh, to take on another child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's very humanist. It's it's, it's it about like uh, keeping your humanity amidst all of, uh, or the chaos or the chaos exactly mm-hmm. like, Which is I mean, I guess themes that have been addressed in other zombie shows, but yeah, sure. you, you compare like Rick and Carl Cannot, to this. Don't don't don't. I don't, mean, don't. what the fuck, right? Yeah. What the fuck is Walking Dead doing? I don't know exactly. I mean, but to be fair, this one has only has two hours. Yeah, that, that that is true, yeah. la. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Did you guys watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger one? Huh? Arnold Schwarzenegger was in a zombie movie. Yeah, the oh, one where his daughter turns and he he tries to he wants to be the one to go out and, and Ani? Yeah. Wow, I oh, never watched it. I've never seen it. I've never um, seen it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyways, yes, that that, that was so, yeah. pretty interesting. So like it reminded me kind of that, right? It, it kind of flips it on his head yeah, for this yeah. time. He's not the one that's turning, the daughter's the one that is the one that's turning. Uh, okay. yeah. Right? But he's making it his job to make sure that um he's he's basically going okay. to kill. That's also dead rising to storyline. Game. Same thing also. Yeah, right. I, well. Saving the daughter from becoming a zombie. Interesting. So I, I, I guess we all like really, really enjoyed this movie and I we did. would highly recommend. Highly recommend. Yes. Uh, sure. Seven and a half out of ten for me. Seven and a half for Cargo? Seven to seven and a half around there. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving it about uh, eight, eight out of ten. So okay. yeah, very, very similar. for me. Yeah. Like, easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, once again, going back, how would you rate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Also, <sighs> scene five. I'm sorry, but this is going to be eight and a half. Yeah, mine is a nine out of ten. Yeah. I love Agents of Shield. Me five. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Graviton's costume—that's the only thing that I didn't like. But that's really the only thing I didn't like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for those keeping track or those who care, uh, Agents of Shield season five, nine out of ten, and eight point five out of mm. ten. Cargo is an eight out of ten for me. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. So, uh, we would like both a lot. Uh, obviously, Agents of Shield is more of a time investment, mm-hmm. and I I do understand people who don't want 
to get through 17 terrible episodes to get to this amazing show but mm-hmm. you should mm-hmm. uh, I mean if you think about Star Trek The Next Generation and Buffy uh, but we are in an age where there's so much content that yeah. people are unable to invest time in, yeah, in shows that take a while to get going so that's sad lah. I mean I, I feel that Agents of Shield would work on like a Netflix schedule or Hulu schedule mm-hmm. rather than a network schedule sure yeah, I mean DVRs man that's the best thing ever yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll see like where Ooh, things yeah. go. They only have 13 episodes left, so. Yeah. But on on the flip side, um cargo, um if you want to watch a short film, it's a 7-minute investment. Yeah. yeah. If you want to watch the movie, it's a 2-hour investment. <laughs> uh both of which are very very good. I would oh, recommend you watch good. both. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'm I mean, down with that. go for it, man. Mm. Uh let's move on to a little segment I like to call quick hits. Okay. Where because of the nature of my job where I watch TV and movies all day to write about it, Uh, I have more time just to consume pop culture stuff lah. So tell uh, us. So Hadi and uh, Isa, you know, have lives. Uh, I don't. So I'm. I'm gonna. Oh, come on. I'm gonna fill them in Ooh. on uh, some of the good and the bad that has been happening this season, and I'm gonna begin with one of the best that has happening this season. What's the best? Uh, adapted from a book by Dan Simons. Mm-hmm. It's a show called The Terror on EMC. Ah. Okay. Uh, to me, it's a kind of a slow burning, sophisticated, atmospheric exercise in like dread and misery. Um, it's about this nerve-wracking expedition into the icy heart of darkness. It's a bit like uh, Apocalypse Now, okay. but in the in the Arctic, uh, center centering around Royal Navy ships, the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror, which kind of become landlocked when the sea uh, freezes over. Oh, and uh, okay. so both ships' crews must survive hunger, uh, intense frigid weather, each other, and unimaginable mystical horrors beyond. Oh. Uh, so although they are they are prepared for this because they are these are veteran Arctic explorers, uh-huh. so they are prepared to be landlocked and they are stocked with supplies for five years. Okay. But the cold never ends, and this show takes place over ten years or eight years. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. So there's a lot of time jumps in between, mm-hmm. So uh, as they start running out of food, things get more and more desperate, and it gets even more desperate when you realize that the tin cans that are holding their food. Uh, they were sorted with lead, so they're all suffering from lead poisoning. So they are suffering from dementia, hallucinations, and stuff like that. Uh, they start turning on each other because of that, or they start dying. Um, so it gets worse and worse, lah. Um, and as the years progress, and the ship keeps getting higher and higher because the ice just stacks up, yeah, and yeah, yeah. there's no thaw during summer. Uh, it becomes very, very intense uh, in terms of the power dynamics between desperate men. Uh, and also, there is a strange, weird creature that's hunting them because they accidentally killed a Native American. Oh, not a Native American. I'm sorry, one of the Eskimos. Eskimos. Inuits. Inuits. Yeah, that, that's what I was talking about. Um, this series is very beautifully shot. The landscape, you know, the the ice Lesson. and the white is is very very gorgeous, but also ominous. It envelops you into this. I I don't know, just an infinity of white. Like you get, I become scared. You know? Okay. It's it's like being claustrophobic, but in a huge space. I don't know how to explain that. It's fine. I yeah. get it I because get it. you feel trapped. It's by suffocating. The same, it's, it's, yeah, it's um, suffocating. It's just like white blindness. Uh. It's just white everywhere. Uh. Yeah, yeah. You cannot see where it starts or ends. Uh. Indeed. And as with all good horror horror allegory, um, yeah. the frightened are often more frightening than what they're frightened by. Okay. You know, indeed, the terror does a brutal job in showing you what desperate men are willing to do. And that is more frightening and brutal than what monsters do. Okay. Um, and the terror does terrific job of intermingling the factual and the fantastical because this actually did happen. The HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror were real ships with real crews. They read the journals and they tried to recreate it as faithfully as possible. Damn. So they were stuck for eight years. Yeah. Damn, son. But they only found them like twenty years after. Oh. So they they found they found a campsite. 
Um, towards the end, they decided to abandon ship and walk to the nearest post. Which but is 1800 miles away, and they died in the, they died in the weather. La. Yeah, so they found uh, campsites where people were just trying to walk to safety, la, and they, they couldn't. La. And they found these journal entries kind of describing uh, monsters or the horrors beyond, but uh -huh. you don't know whether they really are monsters or whether it's just lead poisoning. Yeah, yeah, because they discovered. Because of the, yeah, yeah. yeah, when they did autopsies in the body, they discovered like severe, severe lead poisoning. Because they've been eating all the canned food over the years. Correct, exactly. Hey, son. Yeah. Wait, I heard this story before. Uh, it's a it's a true story and a pretty yeah. famous uh, tale of a Royal Navy ship expedition that went awry. La. I didn't know there was two ships. I always thought it was just one ship. Yeah. Um. So the Terra is named after obviously the Haitian Mister. Mm. But apparently it's going to be a, an anthology series on AMC, and they're uh -huh. going to do a season two. I was wondering how they're going to do a season two because the season one ended so de definitively. Yeah. It's like Titanic season two, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I was glad they that they said it was an anthology series. Oh, okay. And so it's, it's like, another story. Another story, like, but based on a Terra. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one of the rare shows. Uh, very few shows on here. I rate ten out of ten. The other one was counterpart. Mm. Uh, this is ten out of ten for me as well. Wow. Yeah, I'm catching that tomorrow. Nice. You, but yeah. you haven't seen counterpart, so we'll see. I watched already. Oh, you watched already? Yay! Ten so out of ten shows. Let's not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> What's next? Uh, next, I'm going to talk about a new anime from Netflix called Agretsuko. Excellent. Yeah. I haven't watched Excellent. this yet. Tell and uh, let me just say, unlike other anime on Netflix, this is more in common with Bojack Horseman than anything else. What? Uh, ostensibly a workplace comedy centering around the struggles of a red panda, okay. Agretsuko quickly transcends its kiddie veneer to address some very grown-up issues. It deals with misogyny in the workplace, sexual harassment, gossipy colleagues, and overwork in a in a capitalist environment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our main character, Retsuko, hates the job so much that the only way she can deal with her rage is by screaming death metal songs during karaoke after work. <laughs> so like every episode she goes to karaoke and like just screams death, death metal. metal song about like whatever has it's, happened to her that day. La. Okay. Her boss is picked on her, her colleagues are gossiped about her, okay. uh, stuff like that. La. Um, from office politics to dead-end romances yeah. in the office, the show is entirely too re relatable for millennials caught up in the capitalist grind. Okay, I get that. Um, who could have thought that such a subversive and feminist gem could come from a cute anime based on a Sanrio character? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, you, you have thoughts about uh, yeah, Gretzko as well? I mean, like, just generally, I, when I first started watching Gretzko, I was like, okay, this is new, this is what, I've heard good things about it, yeah. right? Uh, people will... The, the character was already popular, right? The moment that Sanrio deb debuted it. Uh, with very little kind of backstory, but they basically said, you know, she's a, she's a working class girl, she basically goes around, she's an office lady, blah, 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 but likes to express herself through death metal. That was the entirety of her character description mm. when Sanrio debuted her character. For that to have evolved into what it has become in this anime yeah. is quite mind-blowing. It's, it's a bit like Bojack Horseman meets The Office. Bojack Horseman because of the animal representations. Mm. And, yeah, the Office because of The Office politics. Uh. Yeah, I, exactly. Uh. Okay. Um, to me, this is an 8 out of 10. Wow. Uh, and because of its low time investment, 15 minutes per episode, it's uh, very easily bingeable. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Uh, a few weeks ago, I set aside my Saturday. Uh, I didn't want to go out. I thought, yeah, this is uh, Agrid Suko Day. I watch it. Uh, then I finish it in two hours. And I was like, oh shit, I guess I can go out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's all really, season. Really, really. I, I really hope they continue. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, next up is a show that I only recently got into, and a lot of people have been. Encouraging me to get into it. It's what a bit it? of an Agents of Shield kind of thing where it had a bad first season, uh -huh. but people said season two and season three were amazing. And it's a show called The Magicians. Oh. Uh, it's adapted by Sarah. I it. Yeah, uh, it's adapted by Sarah Gamble and John McNamara from a trilogy of fantasy novels by Leif Grossman. Yeah. So The Magicians is about a group of grad students at a school for magic called Brickbills. Mm -hmm. um, while the premise is reminiscent of Harry Potter, 
the show's laser focus on character and themes over plot is more spiritually akin to Buffy the Vampire Slayer for me. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, the magicians had a bumpy, bumpy beginning, but it's since grown into one of the most brilliant and confident young adult genre shows. Kind of Buffy TV. beginning as well. Uh. Buffy's the one, not great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's become very, very confident and very audacious creatively okay. in the subsequent okay. seasons. Uh. And season three to me is its most creatively ambitious yet. Because in se- the season 2 finale, just to give you mild spoilers, right, they, they killed a literal god, uh, oh. a god of magic in the season what? 2 finale, this bunch of kids. Uh, and after they killed the god, magic was erased from the world. Wait, wait, pause for a while. Yeah. How old are these kids again? High school? Uh, high school. Okay. Uh, slash maybe like pre-college, like so 18, like 17, 18. To 20 is the max lah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe somebody got retained, who knows. Uh, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So magic is erased from the world. So in season 3, rather than kind of course correcting and introducing more magic into a show called The Magicians, mm-hmm. they decided to use the opportunity to explore how damaged our protagonists are in a more grounded environment. Wow. Because when they're introduced, they have they, some of them are suicidal, they suffer from mental illness, some of them have fam- familial issues and magic has been a nice way for them to escape and maybe face bigger fantastical threats but, now magic but when they're taken away what are they going to do with their lives and I thought that was a very uh, an unexpected narrative choice for season 3 and a very brief one for a show called The Magicians yeah. mm. uh, obviously magic does eventually come back but they of spent uh, the majority of the first half of the season just dealing with this and I thought that was, that was great la. there are complicated plots you know, concerning about the return of magic uh, but the character beats hit hard this season and that's why I loved it so much la. Okay. and they also have a musical episode and as you know I love musical episodes <laughs> I know uh, so this is a 9 out of 10 for me just for season 3 wow. season 1 is a 5 out of 10 okay. season 2 is an 8 out of 10 and it's getting better so wow. it grows on you la. it grows on me okay, yeah, got it. Grow, grow is not show us man okay yeah. I get that well thanks uh, next one is the Netflix show Netflix is a common theme in this and every episode to be honest yeah. it's a show called The Rain it's a Danish. It's a Danish series. How's it? Um, it's kind of a combination of post-apocalyptic fiction with young adult drama. Okay. Uh, it, that's nothing new, lah. But Dan- the Danish series, The Rain, might be one of the best in recent memory to function within those familiar tropes. Hmm. Uh, set after a daily disease has wiped out most of the population, and the disease is spread through hazardous downpours, lah, through the rain. Oh. Um, so they all have to hide in underground bunkers and wear like gas masks and stuff like that. Like little acid rain, ah. Mm, I don't kind of want to spoil that for you. Oh, okay. Um, but the rain is surprisingly a dynamic survivalist tale and elevated by unexpectedly complex ensembles hmm. uh, because the characters are fascinating and I didn't expect them to be there. Okay. Uh, it has enticing mysteries, uh, it has a willingness to subvert archetypical dystopian roles, you know, yeah. oh, oh this guy pays this, this guy pays that, you've seen it in every dystopia, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they start out like that in the beginning but then they evolve into something really fascinating. And the biggest selling point is it's swift pace because it's really fast. Wow. Yeah, so you never get bored. There's no lulls to it and it's uh, one of the most engaging and fast-moving binges I've had this month. How long per episode? Uh, 40, 45 and to an hour. how many episodes per season? I forgot, it was about 10 or 12. Okay, I that's not too bad. It's 10. Yeah, it's 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's easy to binge. Uh, yeah, I still catch this as well. Uh, I mean, my brother was watching it, so I caught it kind of intermittently. Mm. Uh, but I did catch maybe a good like third of it, like the first third of it. Mm. I was very, very interested in the fact um, that you're right. The characters are very compelling. Yeah, fascinating. And, and the character, the character arcs, right? Mm. Despite the fast pace, are very, very well developed. Yes, yes. I have to say that. Uh, I do. I am looking forward to finishing the rest of it. Awesome. But like just from what I've seen so far, the first, I think like four episodes. Yeah. So yeah, very, very impressed. Uh, this is a 7.5 out of 10 for me um, So I liked it a lot But if you want to give it a miss I'm okay with that too It's not a super super good series But if you do want to watch it I, you're, you're going to you're gonna be fulfilled it's, okay. a, it's a worthwhile binge I will nice. say that the subtitling Again the same thing with uh, What's that German film that we really love? Babylon Berlin Babylon Berlin 
No, uh, the horror one with the time travel, uh, black. No, black mirror. Dark. Dark. Oh, dark. Oh, yeah. oh yes. So again, like that. Um, I don't know why. Like, I have no problems with subtitles in anime or with like Japanese kind of things. But I always struggled with the Danish one as well. Like European languages, are yeah. Weird. Huh? Yeah. I don't for, know why. I can't because get for it. dark, I really struggle with the yeah. subtitling. Uh, and just like trying to focus on 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 the action while doing that, and I felt that it wasn't so bad for the uh, the rain because hmm. the rain is easy to follow. It's it, very yeah, it's a lot. It's not streamlined, but like because of how fast paced it is. If yeah. you are if you look down for a moment, right, and you look yeah. back up, you could have missed something. Okay, right? yeah. you know. So I had I had moments where I like kind of like had to scroll back again. So um, something about things. things like Dark or Babylon Berlin or this particular show, The Rain. Is that I, I feel like it's a more sophisticated presentation in a prestige TV era where mm. they, they want you to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to beat you over the head of yep. details. If yep. you catch right. it, you catch it. La. Okay. Uh, whereas with particular anime, and I feel like it's not so much with the Japanese language, it's more to do with anime constantly repeating story points. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's easier to catch on, even yeah. if you miss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they will always have like two scenes later. Oh, do you remember this happened? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember this happened? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more towards that, la, I think, the yeah. anime and presentation. So the subtitling kind of like detracts your ability to notice details. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the best way to enjoy the show is to learn Danish, la. Oh yeah, yeah. Just learn Danish. It's a, it's, it's quick and easy language. So learn Danish, learn German, German you, you know. Totally they were good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Or, or you can just read, la, and maybe like re- rewind once in a while. <laughs> uh, next, I'm gonna move on to an English language show. Okay, what's it? Uh, it's a movie called I Kill Giants. Oh uh, uh, yeah, how did this go? It's based on Joe Kelly's and Ken Nimura's acclaimed graphic novel. Mm. I Kill Giants tells the story of Barbara Thorson, mm-hmm. a teenage girl who escapes the realities of school and a troubled family life by retreating into a magical world where she fights evil giants. Okay. Uh, now my biggest concern with what Hollywood would try to do with Barbara is to make her likable because she's an incredibly unlikable character. There's a point, like, uh, right? Yes, that's the point because she's going through a lot. Okay. And I'm glad to say that she remains very difficult, abrasive, <laughs> and downright unlikable here because it makes it a more honest portrayal. Okay. Um, the key to getting us to sympathize with such a fucked up character mm-hmm. who grates on you a lot is the performance <laughs> of a young a- actress by the name of Madison Wolf. Who does a wonderful job of bringing out Barbara's inner turmoil to bear with expressions and body language? So, although she's doing difficult things no, or aggravating things, uh, the way she does it and the you know uh, yeah. the way that she expresses herself, like it kind of you kind of realize there's more going on here. You know? okay. Why is she doing this? You know, rather than oh, that's just an asshole. <laughs> Uh yeah so um so there's some sympathy for the character there is some sympathy for sure but she is really aggravating and that's okay. the, that's the way she was in the comics la. I get it um similarly the film's depiction of how a child can process grief uh-huh. and how fears can manifest through fantasy uh-huh. is extraordinarily touching um Akio Giants is the kind of sensitive magical and touching story that a wrinkle in time wanted to be. Uh, but this one succeeds, whereas the regular time didn't. Mm. Okay, a bit of downside. It is a bit slow. Okay. Uh, they have cut up 20 minutes easily. The production looks a bit cheap like a TV movie sometimes. Uh, but for all its flaws, it spoke to me because I was very much like Barbara growing up. Okay. So it's a very personal, kind of subjective love for this movie, like, where I was a very difficult kid growing up. I was picked on. I had a parent who died. Uh, I retreated into my own fantasy world, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so subjectively... I love this movie as an 8 out of 10, subjectively. Okay. Objectively, it's probably no better than a 7 out of 10. That's still mm-hmm. okay, that's still yeah, a good movie. Well, yeah, even then. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, I'm going to talk very briefly about a movie I didn't like next. What? It's uh, based on a short story by Neil Gaiman. It's called How to Talk to Girls at, a, at Parties. So you didn't like this one? Yes. Uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties is a science fiction romantic comedy about a shy suburban boy in 1970s England mm-hmm. who falls in love with a rebellious punk girl at a party who happens to be an alien. Now, the movie does have an initial burst of energy and ambition, 
but it is ultimately too unfocused to do much with either. Um, okay. Or develop a team, its teams into a cohesive whole. It's kind of a tepid teen romance with no bite and uses its 70s punk backdrop more as window dressing than as inspiration. Mm. It feels like what... It feels like the 70s... Let's say you want to do a 70s punk story, right? Yeah. But in the CW. Uh. It has like none of the itch or the rebelliousness of actual 70s punk. Ooh. It's totally missing. La, and it's totally been... Uh, for lack of a better... It's not whitewashed. Whitewashed is a different term. But it's just been watered down. Okay. Um, for all its rebel yell spirit, this movie becomes an exhausting exercise in posturing and vapidity and just trying to look like punks. But actually... Without any authenticity. No soul in it. Yes. Uh, so by the half hour mark, you'll get pretty tired of it. This is a 4 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about two CW shows that recently ended their... The Arrow? The Arrow? It's The Flash and Arrow. The Flash and Arrow. Uh, we have previously covered... <laughs> the Arrow. <laughs> We have, pre- we have previously covered Black Lightning, which uh, started yeah. out great but ended up not so great. Yeah. And Legends of Tomorrow, which um, a great and grower, not a shower, I love. Yeah. It was great throughout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Legends of Tomorrow was a, was a solid 9 out of 10 for me. Hmm. But let's talk about The Flash first. Man, this fourth season has been a drag. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I know I'm trying to apply logic to a show about metahumans. Yeah. So it's kind of fruitless. But what I'm talking about here is character logic. Ooh, like, yeah, okay. like, why would Barry do this? Or why would Iris do this? That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. And in nearly every respect, The Flash fails in explaining why characters do things. Okay. They do things because plot. They do things because twists. Oh no. Uh, so... They need to learn from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, nothing made sense this season in terms of character motivation. Okay. Uh, the Tinker was initially refreshing because he was a non-speakster villain who used his mind. But he ended up being whack as fuck. Uh, <laughs> why? And... Okay, never mind, Don't worry. Okay, be- uh, just briefly, because he was so... He was able to outsmart people. He's this master chess player. He can yeah, move yeah. pieces. But then they, they never explained his, the process of it. They just like, uh, the Flash came out of a plan and he plotted it because he's smart. How oh. did he know all these things were going to happen? Oh, they never showed him like finding the evidence or drawing his conclusion. they just like, oh, he's smart. So he figured it out. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, lazy writing. No, uh. it's, 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 it's crazy. Like, uh, yeah. And the way they defeated him as well was pretty lame. Uh-huh. Because uh, as always, uh, oh, love is the key. Oh, oh no! Yeah, so they, they, they appealed to like his uh, ex-wife. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, find the love inside you. Yeah, what whatever. Do you, what do you think of this season then? Um, it's a bad season. But as with all Flash seasons, even the bad ones, there's always one great episode. Tucked in there somewhere to remind you that this was once a good <laughs> show. Uh, last season, it was a musical episode duet. Oh, cool. uh, and this season was an episode called Flash Time, which I thought was really, really brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode concerns Barry and Team Flash trying to stop the detonation of a nuclear bomb. So oh, the I nuclear bomb had that. already been detonated. So yeah. they had 0.1 seconds before the explosion. And Flash enters Flash Time. So where he requires immense speed, energy, and just effort to just maintain this. La. And the whole episode takes place within 0.1 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so he's trying to figure out a way how to get rid of this bomb, blah, blah, blah. Uh, can he run it out? But the second he touches it, the bomb also enters Flash Time. So yeah. it will explode. Uh, can he get uh, Cisco to warp it out? But Cisco's warping powers is Takes bending a bit more time. No, it, it's a bending of time, time and space, space yeah. and you can't bend time and space without ah. time. So it's a uniquely speedster problem that should be honestly the Flash movie. Uh. <laughs> this is why it's good because it's dealing with a Flash problem. Yes, right? because there's so many all the other episodes this season right could have been solved by Arrow. Some, yeah. A guy with a bow and arrow. Exactly. Why, why do you need a guy that can run at super speed? This is a uniquely speedster problem that only a speedster can solve. Because it's 0.01 seconds. Yes, uh, and I thought it was great. Oh, that was brilliant. Okay. Uh, and as with every season, the, the crossovers are always great. La. Crisis mm. on of of X was pretty good. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, this bubbled it up from a four out of ten to a five out of ten. Oh, okay. So a jazz pass. Just pass for the flesh. All right. 
How about Arrow? Let's move, yeah, let's move on to season 6 of Arrow, which wastes most of the goodwill it regained with its return to form in season 5. Yeah. Uh, once again, character logic, a bit of a problem. Okay. Um, the story of Oliver's team breaking up, reforming, and then breaking up again, and then reforming, and then breaking up again, feels repetitive and plagiarized from every previous season. Oh, wow. Um, I realize that team dynamics is fun to play with, you know. Oh, I don't like you because of this, I don't like you because of that. But you just can't keep repeating the same cycle every season. Nah. Oliver, I'm a loner. I don't want to engage my team. Oh, no, I need help. And then I he reconciles. Oh, and then, wow. oh no, I'm alone, I don't injure my team. Oh no, I need help. And then oh, wow. it's just that it's a, cycle, it's a cycle. Okay. over and over again, uh, and it's fucking stupid. We did one season. Uh, we've been six seasons, uh, but this particular season, they did it like three times. Wow. He breaks up, reform, breaks up, reform, breaks up, reform. Wow, that's a bit tiresome. This is uh, the definition of a toxic relationship. Like, if you've ever been in one. <laughs> so Oliver's team is a toxic relationship. Yeah, Oliver is no, a abusive Oliver. boyfriend. <laughs> Oliver, Oliver is, is a toxic, toxic boyfriend. Yeah. Um, Oliver's arc as the mayor was fairly interesting. Uh-huh. Um, as his is impeachment storyline and the, his indictment as the Green Arrow when he find out he's the Green Arrow. Um, the idea of a vigilante being a government official presents great ethical dilemmas, mm-hmm. which they mention but never explore, so I'm very uh, sad yeah. about that. Uh, similar to The Flash, even bad seasons of Arrow have at least one great episode. And which one was it? Uh, so, to partially redeem it, this episode was called The Dragon. It covered the origin story of our current big bad called Ricardo Diaz. Oh, okay. So, it tells a story about him growing up in an orphanage, his quest for acceptance in organized crime, uh, his insecurities that drive him, and he has a final scene where he burns his childhood bully alive, which is obscenely dark for the CW or any network, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it succeeded with character logic because it gave me character motivation. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, hey, one good episode. Okay. This is a bit like uh, Capichon uh, from season 5 of uh, of Arrow, you know, where Arrow is being tortured yeah, by yeah. Prometheus mm. and all of that. Uh, it went dark, it went gritty, it, had, it provided a great backstory and good character motivations. Uh, so at least they can do that one out of 23 times. So <laughs> does, does Arrow pass? Uh, yeah, um, as bad, okay wait, uh, one other good point. As oh. bad as the other episodes can get, and not like The Flash, you can always count on Arrow for an amazing fight sequence every episode. Oh, okay. Because they do hand-to-hand combat really well. The standout this season featured Deathstroke as basically Liam Neeson in Taken, where he breaks into a terrorist warehouse to save his son. Oh, okay. And it's just Death, Deathstroke being Death Liam Neeson, it's fucking dope. Okay. That was incredible. <laughs> and all of this elevated to a 6 out of 10. Wow! Oh, that's a, a surprise. It just Even with the, the whole destroying of Season 5's political capital that they built up. Yeah, but it, it was still just pass because... Okay, a lot of people on the internet, they like to claim things are the worst, this is terrible, or things are great. But for someone who watches as much as me, I realise there's a wide spectrum in between great and really bad. La. Oh yeah, definitely. And having seen how bad The Flash was, the arrow isn't that bad. La. Okay. Mm, fair enough. So there's perspective for you. La. Perspective. Okay, yeah. I get that. Uh, and that's it for Quick Hits. Alright. Yeah, uh, we're gonna move on to a, a movie on HBO called oh, Fahrenheit 451. Am I the only one that watched it? Yep. Maybe. Uh, this is an adaptation of the Ray, the Ray Bradbury right? uh, post-apocalyptic novel yeah, like where... Like 65 years old, 65 years ago? A long time ago. Yeah. Where firemen in the future, they burn books to stop knowledge. Mm. Uh, how does this modern-day adaptation compare? Okay. Take it away, Harley. Wow. First of all, there's a lot of hate for this movie. Yeah? Everybody online is like just giving it shit uh. Is it? And I get why okay, okay. You know Like it's a v- it's a very I mean they're, they're trying their best To modernise this thing Right Sure The book I for the life of me Cannot remember this book I read it Like twice When I was 15 mm. Right but I cannot I cannot I can't really remember The details of the book Okay right? So when I watch this movie It's my as well I watched it for the first time Sure right? Sure I have to say First of all You have two great actors In Michael Shannon and uh, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan yeah. right? Great guys, yeah. right? Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon just bouncing scenes, bouncing off each other is just great to watch. Mm. Okay, 
the idea of instead uh, having social media being this all all encompassing thing and all that, right? Like having your like they're going to missions, right? And they're getting um film mm. while they're doing the missions, while they're burning the books and all that film, then they can see them getting the likes and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So all these firemen have fans, you know. So people ask them, what do you, what, what do you want to say to your fans and all that? You know, the kind of thing. Like. So it's very social media. Ah. Very reminiscent of uh, Black Mirror. Like. They, they fan the fires. Oh. <laughs> oh. I went there. Right there. They you did. Oh. You did. You did. Yeah. You did. Right? So overall, I felt the acting was fine. Yeah. I thought the pacing was okay. I mean, it was a two-hour movie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one hour forty nine minutes lah. Okay, to, yeah. to be exact. To round up lah. Yeah, it's it's um um, I enjoyed the 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 the, the fire sequences, the, the 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 use of fire as this um, cleansing thing lah. You know, they, they want to destroy all the old world. You know, to to rebuild to, to rebuild so that yeah. the new world doesn't have to remember all this baggage lah. Yeah. You know, but there's something about burning books, right? We just hurts ah. Sure. You know, when you see a book being burned, right? Yeah. There's just this very weird um, feeling of pain. Yeah, right? I, I agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this, when they, they, they were burning, like, uh, a bunch of Shakespeare, Shakespearean novels, mm. uh, uh, plays, and a bunch of, like, uh, Trotsky and. Um, yeah, et cetera. So, et cetera, et cetera. Right? All these great books. La. So, when you see it burn, right, it hurts you a bit. La. So and I I like that I like that it resonated that way lah. Mm. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was okay. Yeah. It wasn't great. Sure. Right. Uh, I feel that if you read the book, you most probably wouldn't like this movie just because I think it's it's taking it a, uh, to an, a direction that might not be similar. Okay, you but know? like an adaptation doesn't have to be exactly. Any. That's why that's why I I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I I don't get why people didn't enjoy it. Well, it seems like yeah. you do, but you just. Overlooked it Yeah 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 Yeah, uh, yeah you, you, you address all of the complaints yeah, So you, you do know Why they don't like it <laughs> But you were able To see past it To see what they were Trying to do Something like That's that yeah. Okay okay So like people thought It was unconvincing This whole social media thing You know it wasn't As strong as The previous book But because I have No frame of reference Yeah That's why I feel That I'm fine with it Okay yeah. Sure I, I thought the book was to me, right, okay, like, obviously it's part of the holy trinity of dystopian books uh, alongside <laughs> 1984 and Brave New World, right? Yeah. Uh, but it is the, a solid third place uh, in, in that trinity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> a solid third place. For sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it isn't, to me, it isn't sacred text or anything. Yeah, same. Uh, but I guess a lot of people uh, grew up on these books as, uh, you know, um, either learning it through literature or it spoke to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as with all adaptations, it's always going to be blowback if you're not faithful. Yeah. Mm. But I'm not a big fan of keeping, f- of being faithful to the extreme to a source material because an ad- adaptation has to give you something different. Yeah. You know, what's the point of adapting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean all the blowback with uh, how Damon Lindelof wants to adapt uh, the Watchmen to me has been a bit unfair. Same. Because if you want it to have, if you want it, if you want it to be a short for short recreation of the Watchmen, go fucking read the Watchmen. La. I agree. Yeah, it's not. Don't don't expect a movie to have the same kind of exactly. resonance. La. And for a TV show that's coming out in twenty eighteen, like what the Watchmen is doing in Fahrenheit four five one, what Damon Lindelof is saying. The Watchmen talks a lot about 80s politics. Yeah. I want to talk about now politics. I want this to be Watchmen and Trump era. Yeah. So, it will seem really stupid if he talks about Reagan and shit in this time of political crisis that we have I right agree. now. Why not commentate on what's happening right now? Yeah. And Alan Moore used the Watchmen to commentate upon comics as a medium. Mm. And Damon Lindelof wants to com- commentate upon television as a medium. And I think this is spiritually the most uh, accurate you can yes. represent the Watchmen. Rather than just a Zack Snyder frame for frame, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna film exactly what's there. 
you know, like his 300 style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that didn't really work. That didn't really work. Uh. And speaking of uh, burning books, we don't burn books here. We read books. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going into this month's pull list. Great segue. Oh, yay. Great segue. Yeah. Yes. That was yes. Uh, so I'm going to be recommending three different, uh, well, two graphic novels and one book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one is called Children of Blood and Bone. Uh, Children of Blood and Bone is the debut young adult novel from Nigerian American writer Tomi Adeyemi. Um, it it's is, fine. It, uh, sorry, my pronunciation is not great. But Tomi Adeyemi, great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most hyped young adult franchises to debut this year. Okay. There's already a movie deal in the works. There's a book trilogy set in the same world that she's been signed up for. Mm-hmm. So clearly people have high hopes for this. Um, does Children of Blood and Bone live up to the hype? Uh, in my opinion, it certainly does. Um, this is an Afrofuturist fantasy epic about a black teenage girl who is the key to bringing magic back into the world. It's a riveting page turner that feels like what if Octavia Butler had written The Hunger Games, if okay. that makes sense. Uh, it takes place in a fantasy land called Orisha, mm-hmm. and it's loosely based on West African cosmology. Um, so Orisha is just a treat as a fantasy world because it's fully formed, entirely thought out, and, thema- and thematically rich. So it feels like a lived-in world. Um, Orisha used to be steeped in magic, but a despotic king ripped magic from the land and slaughtered the magic users, called the Mage. Um, Z- our protagonist Zeli, 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 uh, is the daughter of a mage, and she had expected to inherit magic for herself, but now got no magic. Now got no magic. Uh, so that's basically what the story is. Also, it talks about the cl- the underclass of the mage, lah, who, people who used to be mages or the diviners, who are now heavily taxed and oppressed by the government who, call, who calls them maggots. Um, so this ma- magi or mage mythology is a flexible metaphor that gives Adiyemi room to explore the brutality of racist system uh, and she doesn't shy away from violence while still fitting it into a nice young adult quest narrative. Wow. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, they, they, this is like a magic problem that only Zeddy can fix. So she's mm. a bit like, you know, all the YA yeah. novels where uh, Kenneth Aberdeen kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Just, just in a very different environment. Uh, this is great. I give this an eight out, eight point five out of ten. Okay. Wow. Uh, the next, I'm going to be talking about a children's book called *The Prince and the Dressmaker*. Okay. Uh, it's a graphic novel. Um, Jen Wang's graphic novel. It's kind of this beautifully told gender queer fairy tale for all ages. Okay. So it's very positive, but I don't know whether parents will ever buy this for their kids because of its themes. Um, but here's the premise: There's a prince, Prince Sebastian, is supposed to be looking for a princess to marry. Instead, the 16-year-old is moonlighting as a fashion icon named Lady Cristilia. What? He's drag! Yeah, he's drag! Uh, and he can't tell his secret to anybody except his dressmaker, a talented girl by the name of Francis, who is his confidant, and maybe love interest, we'll, we'll see. Um, the Prince and the Dressmaker is a graphic novel for anybody who feels like they don't fit into the mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a, loss, a love story outside of, gener- uh, sorry, outside of gender binary conventions. Uh, it's kind of also a heartwarming coming of age tale about identity, friendship, romance, mm-hmm. and has a nice inclusive message in it as well, wow. which is why I think it's important for kids to read. You haven't read this, right? Nope. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's kind of positioned as a children's novel, but I don't think you can ever find it in Kino under the children's section. Yeah, I doubt so. Yeah. This sounds okay. dope, though. It, it's it's a really good book. Uh, this is an eight out of ten for me. Okay. So. Excellent. Uh, my final recommendation is a comic book called Eternity Go. Um, this is published by Gerard Way's uh, imprint, Young Animal, which uh-huh. is now shut down, sadly. Oh. But it was, it was always meant as a pop-up imprint, so it was oh. always going to shut okay, down. Okay. But I mean, I'm sad because a lot of my favourite titles in recent years have come from um, Young Animal, such as Milk Wars and mm. uh, Shade and stuff like that. Uh, Eternity Girl is one of them. Lah. Eternity Girl is written by 
Magdalene Visaggio and mm-hmm. illustrated by Singapore's very own Eisner Award winning artist Sonny Liu. What? Yeah. yeah. Damn, son. Take that and you see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say that every time I mention Sonny yeah, Liu. <laughs> Take that and you see. Uh, yeah, anyway. So this is his new project like, and, and that's why I picked it up. Oh, okay. Uh, this six issue series is a mini series. It follows a super powered agent called Caroline Sharp and she tries to get back on the horse following an, an incident which I won't spoil but it traumatizes her. Okay. A bit Jessica Jonesha. A little bit, a little bit. Um, so Caroline is depressed and traumatized and Eternity Girl doesn't hold back with his depiction of mental illness. Oh, it's, a, okay. it's a brutal and beautiful comic that uses superheroics and the super body to explore disassociation, suicidal ideation and dysphoria. Um, upon reading interviews with writer Magdalene, I learned that these issues are intimately familiar with her because she struggles with it on a daily basis. Okay. And that's why this comic book feels so authentic and harrowing. Um, Caroline's power, she's a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. She can transform herself into everything from a large human to a big steel monolith to even noxious gas. So, whatever lah. Whatever, because she has control about her, of her atomic structure. Wow. And this leads to a sense of body alienation and a displaced sense of identity, which leads to depression. Um, that's what the story is about. Um, Magdalene herself explores this aspect of, de- of depression from a super specific angle uh-huh. because she's a trans woman and also autistic. Oh, wow. So, this is a depression fueled by body dysphoria, manifesting as like depersonalization, derealization, and disassociation, which she herself feels in her real life, like being a trans woman and being aut- uh, autistic. Um, Sunny Liu's art does a great job expressing all those themes as, as well. Um, the interiors are like an interesting mix of a Daniel Klaus-style lo-fi indie uh-huh. comic book for her more mundane aspects of her life, yeah. and with uh, Silver Age art to contrast her anxiety and the mundane. And the weird and fantastical because she's also mm. a super, super agent. agent. Uh, super agent. Yeah, but uh, she also has a mundane life, which is just a normal person uh-huh. kind of trying to deal with depression. Uh, so I, I think this this comic book is amazing. It's a fantastic job. Um, easy to read because only six issues, and all six issues are out already. Nice. Uh, this is a nine out of ten for me. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's it for the police. The <laughs> I keep hearing the police. The police. The pool list. The pool list. Yeah. Uh, and since you're ahead of time, yeah, we're very on schedule these Not days. Not bad, yes. guys. Very, very excellent. Let's, let's do a short, uh, kind of a preview of what we're going to do at the end, end of the year. Oh, what are we going to do the end of the year? At the end of the year, um, sometime in January, we're going to recap our favourite TV shows, mm-hmm. movies, literature, and stuff to listen to. Yeah. But let's do a little mid-year report. So, um, Hadi, what? what are your top three genre TV shows for the year? And I'm going to go this... I'm going to go... Ooh. Top three, uh. yeah. Agents, definitely. Number one. Okay. Um, yeah, Agents, uh, that's about it. Uh. Wow. Number one, two, and three. <laughs> Number one, two, and three. Uh. No, because the rest are not really that great. Like. Okay. Like, I mean, in terms of TV series. Uh, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, I only... Yeah, honestly, The Flash wasn't that great. I stopped after like five episodes. Mm-hmm. Arrow, I stopped after five episodes. Legends, I, I, I reckon... Oh, Legends, though. Legends one. second. Sorry, I forgot about Legends. Yeah. Yeah, Legends is a good second. Cool. I cannot find a third. Can you I- find a third for me? Uh, what was the moment I yeah. Maybe you'll find some inspiration for answer. Top 3 genre TV shows Up to this point mm. Oh wait, uh, My Hero Academia Oh nice. shit I forgot anime is counted right There you go yeah. Right. Yeah. My yeah. Hero Academia Easily the best anime right now yeah. Right uh, Hands down And it might have been for the last couple of years Yeah uh, Great I love where they're going with this I love We don't really man yeah, it's moron. such an amazing <laughs> thing, Detroit Delaware Smash. Mm. Uh, Detroit Delaware Smash, what a stupid name. Yeah. Or oh, random states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. random states. Not even uh, random, random cities. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's one for me. I think Expanse this season has been great. Excellent. Mm. Uh, thank uh, God for Amazon picking it up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Amazon. Mm. You've done right. Yeah. The Expanse? Uh, yes. Yeah, season yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they picked it up again. Uh, third one, I mean, because I've kind of dropped off the... 
the CW stuff mm. uh, this year. So can I really comment on that? Yeah, I can't really mm. comment on that. Uh, and a, a bulk of stuff is all there, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. going to say um, I am interested in where Westworld ends up. Nice. Yeah, but yeah. Th- but definitely these three are the ones that I'm most invested in at the moment mm-hmm. at, at this midpoint of the year. Same. I mean, mm-hmm. Westworld is something that. I mean, I didn't want to put Westworld because it's not done yet sure. for this season. Yeah. But, wow. I'm only halfway through because I haven't caught up f- f- fully. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like episode 3. Sure. When they just uh, went to... Spoilers. Spoilers, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah so anyway. <laughs> episode 3. So it's not bad. I, I, it's really... Yeah, you're right. I, I'm looking forward to Westworld. It and feels like it's going to... Yeah. It's gonna uh, be great. I feel like a lot of the completed TV shows are because I can't comment on the CW stuff. Mm. I mean, with the exception of Black Lightning, which I didn't finish anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of yeah. a lot of good stuff, but it's these three particular ones, even though they're ongoing, that I am extremely excited to see what's going to happen mm-hmm. and very, very invested in. So okay. yeah, those will be um, I mean, since the the cutoff point is finished TV shows, um, there are three I wanted to say, but they are not finished, but I, I'm, I'm just going to yeah. honourable mention them. Yeah. Um, Westworld obviously is vastly improved this season because it Agreed. focuses more on character development and genuine stakes rather yeah, than puzzle building. rather than puzzle box mysteries. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah puzzles fun. are still there, yeah. but the stories are no longer crutching on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, The Handmaid's still has had an excellent, oh. albeit very depressing, second season. But I mean, if you know what you're in for, I haven't watched it. I haven't finished that yet. Uh, what I love most about The Handmaid's still so far is the expansion of its world. Okay. Uh, visiting the colonies and all the different parts of Gilead. <gasps> Did you see that? Yeah. What? Uh, Rory Gilmore. Um, What's her name? Rory Gilmore. Alexis Bledel. Alexis Bledel yeah. uh, is doing a really good job. Uh, kind of representing the face of the colonies at the moment. Oh, okay. Uh, so that show hasn't ended. And of course, The Expanse hasn't ended as well. Yep. So I need to shout that out. But the three that have ended that I really, really love this season has been uh, number one, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Uh, have to shout that out. Yeah, uh, man. Counterpart is one of my favourite shows this year as well. As pretty much intrigue mixed with parallel world uh, political uh, discourse. And the terror, which I just talked about. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm really, really excited towards the terror now, though. Also, yeah, it's slow too. burning, though. So that's fine. Don't, don't fall asleep. Oh. Okay. Then I won't watch it at night. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a bit of like a, a master commander kind of piece. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, I get that. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, what about movies? What are your top three favorite movies? Black Panther. <laughs> number one? Black Panther. Yeah. What's your, what's your number two intro? My number two, I guess, will be Infinity War because of the scale and all that wow, stuff. Wow, we got a Marvel show here. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just commenting. Yeah. Like an co- internet commenter. Uh, what would be number three though? This year. This yeah. year. I can't remember what I watched. Deadpool, I guess. Deadpool 2 will Deadpool be number two. three. La. Ah, superhero all the way. Yeah, all the way. La. Nice. What about you guys? Black Panther for sure. Yeah. I think it's at the top. Oh my god, mine is all Marvel. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Lame, sir, fanboy. <laughs> What's that number two? Mm. There have been no DC movies this year, so you're fine. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Infinity War as as that as well. I mean, like just two really really big mm-hmm. things that have happened, and then for number three, uh, not that many movies. Right? So far, no, it's not. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, just Deadpool two one time. <laughs> I mean, Deadpool two is a decent movie. Exactly. We, we reviewed it. We liked it a lot as well. Oh man. Mm. Uh. Oh shit! Uh, what's? What's it? A really quiet, a quiet place. A quiet, quiet, a quiet yes. place. Quiet oh yeah, that's considered yes. genre. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my quiet god! I, I love quiet. I take out Deadpool too. Actually, I'm putting quiet place yeah. on. I'm gonna put quiet place above Infinity War. Yeah, me too. Because okay, a, a, yeah. quiet, a quiet place was my number one as well. I'm, I'm doubling down. Yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, quiet place has been my number one for a while uh, at the moment, lah. So it's it's still right there at number one. Uh, number two, I have to say Annihilation, uh, oh. which was on Netflix. Although oh, it's no, not no, really no, I prefer Black Panther. 
Yeah. Uh, and number three is Black Panther. So um, I love Infinity War. It didn't quite make it there. Okay. As of yet, but maybe it will make into my top five at the end of the year. Maybe. Although with movies like Hereditary and stuff kind of opening soon, I doubt it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Yeah. Uh, right. Next month we'll be talking about a uh, a bunch of stuff which I can't really recall. Right now. I think Westworld will be ending its season. Yeah. yeah. But we are done by then. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Handmaid's still as well. The Expanse as well. The Expanse will be out already by then. It'll be it'll be done by. Oh, be done it's by. Out, then. It's out. It's out now. Yeah. Oh shit! It's already. I've been yeah. watching like the five, six episodes. Really. No, I'm, I need to catch up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so well, expense is definitely worth it to catch up. So I think those are the three big titles we're talking about next uh, month. Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. I think it's July. July is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but th- I'm sure there's a big re-release that I'm missing right now. Jurassic, right. Jurassic World. Oh, Jurassic, oh, Jurassic World. World. I'm, I'm quite hyped for that, actually. It's, yeah, it's really, really good. It's gotten some favourable reviews. I'm very surprised because yeah. Jurassic World 1 was well, not... Crap. Uh, I don't uh, go so extreme like, to say it's crap, but it wasn't, it wasn't my favourite Jurassic Park movie. Like. Yeah. Mm. Just say it, just, that, like. it just needed to run in heels a bit less. Yeah. And this has been uh, John Nicole C6. I'm here. Yeah. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. We'll catch you next month. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.